Welcome to this expanded edition of the Weekly Blitz. I'm your host, Joe Lisi. This is part of the Go for the Two Network. Today's show is sponsored by Jersey Pump. Are you a gladiator or a spectator? Step into the arena of life at jerseypump.com. I want to welcome in my co-host. He's a big play wide receiver from the University of Georgia from 1994 through 1997. We have a lot of talk within the college and pro football world. I want to welcome in former Georgia Bulldog wide receiver Corey Allen. Corey, how are you on this beautiful Saturday? I'm great, Joe. we got a lot of good topics floating around the college football atmosphere, but today we obviously have a special edition since we are providing some weekend time. You know, I'm extremely excited whenever we get a chance to talk. So today is no different. We've got beautiful weather here in the city of Atlanta. I'm anxious about my dogs, and we've got a lot on the table as far as the college football environment altogether, but really a lot on the plate uh, with football everywhere, even the pro level. So a uh, great time of year for any football fan. It is. I'm chomping at the bit. I know you are too, partner. We have about 90 days realistically before we really start to delve into the college football talk each and every week like we do. We love college football here on the Weekly Blitz. It doesn't get any better than this, but we have a lot of talk within the NFL this week, a lot of interesting storylines, and the the biggest storyline coming out of the NFL was the 243-page report about the Flakegate and the New England Patriots, which basically names Tom Brady as, I want to say, a suspect in the uh, Flakegate matters, but knowingly named that he knew about what was going on and directed the ball boys for the New England Patriots. We spoke about it on last week's show, said that we, we both thought that Tom Brady would get a, in a suspension from the league. Not sure how big or how little that will be, but want to get your thoughts again about this interesting article and report that came out because I'm shocked that the NFL dropped the hammer on their marquee star. Talk to me about your thoughts about the subject, Corey. Well, you know, it's always a tentative or a very uh, sensitive item when you talk about the New England Patriots because uh, they're a championship caliber uh, program. This is an organization that has really been one of the flagship organizations for the NFL, primarily because they've had a lot of success, and this has been under one regime in Bill Belichick with primarily one quarterback in Tom Brady. So they've been judged very harshly. But uh, primarily when you sit on the top of the throne, you know, the head is heavy that carries that throne. So, you know, at this point in time, the biggest question is, you know, how valid is that success or how is that legacy tarnished? And when you come across two separate incidents, uh, where you come, you see this team they're taking advantage of certain situations and not by, not abiding by the rules. You do want to, you do have to question that. And you know they have in their past. You know we've got the issue with Spygate. They they've gotten past that, and I think the teams in the league has come to a point where you know we we're okay with that decision, even though we don't always agree with it. But at the same time, you turn around and and now we're looking at a different incident altogether, Joe. You know, this deflate gate situation, it's a minor item, but because we have so much consistency when you look at New England continuing to have this type of question pop up about uh, small things, taking advantage of these things, you know, you hope it's not true, but obviously with this report showing Tom Brady, or at least it says that Tom Brady was not just involved, but primarily the director of, you know, letting air out of the ball so that he would have a much better opportunity to 
grip the ball in that cold weather environment, you know, it's hard to discount that. You know, you need to know all the facts. And what this report does is throw a lot of questions at the organization. It throws a lot of questions at Tom Brady. And it really puts uh, the success in somewhat of a shadow because you don't know if it's all valid. You know, did they take advantage of the system and do things the right way, or were they just a better team on every given Sunday? So it's a tough discussion to have because it's sensitive whenever you discuss a championship team because you don't want to appear as a hater. And that's one thing I've tried not to do, Joe. But realistically, uh, between Spygate and Deflategate, the Patriots have a lot of, a lot of answers that we need cleared up here. It's interesting when you bring it up because I think the NFL is in a tough spot for a couple of factors because of the negativity surrounding the league. And what I mean negativity, the issues like Aaron Hernandez, the incidents with Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice, very unfortunate circumstances on every front that now when they, the integrity of the game is challenged, I think that that's where they're sort of uh, back, they're, their backs are, are against the wall. So uh, th- when the integrity of the game is challenged by the media, I think that that's where they feel uh, it's their responsibility to step up. And uh, if it means naming Tom Brady as a culprit or uh, I want to say a suspect in the matter, whether you think the issue is big or small or had a bearing or didn't have a bearing on the game itself, with the games itself, that's where I think the NFL had to step up to, to sort of save its image in that fact. Now, I don't think that this will tarnish the image in any way by the NFL, but because it is the most watched uh, sport out there and it's a billion-dollar-a-year industry and it won't change, uh, fans in America love football. Football's growing, and it's just a great sport uh, to break down each and every week. But – I felt like because of the circumstances surrounding the NFL over the last couple of years that they had to do something and they they had to put out a report that was objective and had to name the people that were, in fact, liable for deflating the balls. And if that meant Tom Brady, then it's Tom Brady. So it's interesting, though. Uh, the timing of it, wouldn't you say, like, right after the draft, uh, it's about five months after the Super Bowl now, we're already looking to, towards the 2015 season. So, I mean, fans, you know, they're, they're, what have you done for me lately? But uh, do you feel like the timing was uh, a little, I, I don't want to say, like, it was timed just right, right after the draft and not before, uh, you know, the way they put it out in terms of that information, Corey? Well, the timing is always essential whenever you discuss the NFL. Uh, I do believe this is a scheduled assessment. You know, the NFL, uh, they do a great job of maintaining a complete 12-month calendar, so they want to take advantage of any opportunity to fill in a gap. Uh, This is a situation after the draft where, of course, any uh, available news, now that we're post-draft and we've gotten beyond that discussion, they had a great time managing the the efforts to get the draft televised and to get the coverage uh, handled properly. And now that they're beyond that and the numbers are in, they're ready to move on to the next item. And that can be any disciplinary or suspensions or updates in regards to free agency. So, you know, this is just one of those uh, scheduled updates. I do believe the NFL uh, manages how they maintain and and, uh, disperse their information, and this is no different. So whether they came to the conclusion uh, to suspend him or not, uh, we won't know until they actually decide to let us know. I don't know what that NFL calendar is in, in regards to giving out the information, especially once uh, decisions are made. So I'm sure there is some mandate that they have to stick to in regards to 
giving the suspension now that they've made the report available. I'm, I have no idea what it will be, but I'm anxious to find out, you know, what kind of decision will be made. Are they going to really sit Tom Brady down for the uh, initial game of the NFL calendar year when the New England Patriots face the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday night football? You know, is the NFL willing to damage the product? Because throughout all of these allegations, Joe, throughout all of the troubles with Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice and, you know, even when you look at what the Patriots are looking at right now, uh, the NFL product is strong, and they're going to continue to sell tickets, and they're going to continue to get the television audience to show up. And uh, when you when you pull your number one quarterback from the defending championship team on the first night of your season, uh, and it's even on a Thursday, this isn't even a Sunday night football, this is Thursday night to kick off the year, you know, that'll be interesting to see if the NFL is willing to pull that trigger. So it puts the commissioner in a tough spot because he's already been uh, – there have already been demands made to him from uh, the New England Patriots owner, Bob Kraft, and he demanded an apology. So, you know, how is the commissioner going to stand for that? How is he going to reply to that sense? Uh, the report that the NFL provides, and they're not going to base their decision on anything else outside of this particular report. So with the report that the NFL has provided, you know, the question is, is the NFL ready to make the harsh decision, which is uh, really uh, the only decision when you read this report. And it doesn't have a, a favorable light on Tom Brady in particular. It doesn't implicate Bill Belichick. It does not implicate Bob Kraft. But it does put Tom Brady in a difficult position. And I don't know if the NFL will or is willing to listen to any type of response to this report. I don't think that's the order of operation when you consider uh, business in itself. So I think the NFL is really going to make the decision whenever they feel it's appropriate, but I do feel like it should impact the season, and the Patriots would need to know that as soon as possible. It's interesting, too, is you, you could turn look at baseball. You know, the court bats, uh, when a guy got, you know, uh, suspended with the court bats because he had a, a disadvantage, uh, an advantage over uh, you know other players that he was playing against. Wh- what was the suspension like then? So I'm curious to see what if it comes. We come out to find Peyton Manning does the same thing and Drew, uh, Drew Brees does the same thing and uh, Russell Wilson does his version because I know that Brad Johnson after this came out. Last year, he won a Super Bowl uh, with John Gruden and uh, against the Oakland Raiders. He said that he did something with the footballs in that Super Bowl. So we're, we're, we've heard sprinklings about the about the issue from former quarterbacks that have sort of suggested they have done something with the footballs too. So what if it's come to find out that it's not just Tom Brady? So if we set the precedent with Tom Brady, let's say six games, eight games a year, are we then, are we going to change the process and how are we going to monitor it? Meaning, I don't, I, I haven't delved into this and I want to ask you if you found out, has the NFL changed the policy since 2000, they, they changed it in 2006, but after this incident, is it, did the rules committee in fact go back to the old way of, uh, of delegating how they bring out the footballs or is in 2015 is every team still responsible for their own footballs do you know the answer to that i do believe that each team since 2006 is responsible for providing their own football so teams no longer share uh the 
footballs during any particular game. Every team has their own set of balls. Each ball has a team name. It may have a logo on it, but it will be clearly identified for each individual team. So the referees can clearly identify which sideline to throw the ball to during play because it can change from play to play. So that's really dictated by the individual teams, and that's been in place since 2006 from what I understand, Joe. So to answer your question, you know, that might be the first consideration the league would have to make, you know, because if this is an epidemic around the league, if this is uh, something that's a lot more prevalent than we know, if it's not just a Patriot situation, then the league is going to have to streamline the punishment. Whatever punishment they give out to Brady, they need to be ready to give it to each individual. If not, they need to go ahead and change the rule back to the rule, to the rule prior to 2006, which would then force each team to play with the same football. And at that, uh, with that being the case, you don't have that opportunity to manipulate the ball because the other side will get a chance to touch and, and play with it. So I think that would eliminate some of these issues as far as uh, what we're looking at the New England Patriots are being charged with. But at the same time, the NFL is really going to have to take a close look at their policies because in some shapes, you know, they kind of allowed this to happen. They left too much of a gray area, and, and now we're in a position to question a championship caliber team. That's a great point, and, and we're joined today by a special guest. We're going to get his take in a couple of minutes about the whole situation, but I want to welcome him to the show. He was a standout at the University of Georgia from 1996 through 1999, became a three-time Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots, just a star running back. I want to welcome in former Georgia running back and New England Patriot fullback Patrick Pass to the show. Patrick, how are you today? Oh, man, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired, but you know what? <laughs> it's a beautiful day in New England. No complaints. No complaints. Just ready to get home to the fam. Well, it, we've been trying for a long time to get you on the show, and I'm thank you. Thank you very much for joining us today. We knew that there was some uh, controversy in the NFL this week, and we got you out of hibernation. I want to thank you again for joining us. <laughs> but talk to me before we get into the uh, NFL talk. Talk to me about your career at Georgia, what it meant for you to play between the hedges in Athens and move on to the NFL to play for the New England Patriots. You know what? It was, it was it was a great time my four years at at the University of Georgia. Man, I met some I met some great players, some great great teammates. Uh, met a lot of friends. It was just an awesome time. And, I, and that's what I do now when I go and I do my motivation speaking. Is that I try to get these kids to understand that look, if you just go to a two year university or a two year college or four year college, it's the best time in their life. I tell all of them, I said, look, if I could have stayed at University of Georgia for eight years, I would have done it. I just had that much fun. But, you know, just being able to be on one of the those great teams that we played in, you know, we was 3-0 in the bowl games that we played in, you know, we beat Wisconsin, Purdue, and uh, Virginia. And, you know, that's a great testament to the coaching staff and the players that we had on that team. But that just allowed me to, you know, to get ready for the National Football League because, you know, everyone was telling you that once you get to the next level, that it's fast. It's faster than college. But, you know, I, I didn't see that much you know, different than I got to the National Football League because every team that we played in the SEC was fast. So it was it was right up my alley. It's incredible. I remember your games like they were yesterday. You shared some time in the backfield in 1996 with uh, Torin Kirsty and, of course, the great Robert Edwards, and then uh, shared time with Orlandis Gary and uh, Veron Hayes in your career. But uh, just outstanding performances. You had seven career touchdowns, 
for Georgia, uh, utilizing all different facets of the game and uh, really respected the way you played the game with high intensity and a great motor, just a blue-collar attitude. You move on to the NFL. You, you get drafted in the seventh round by the New England Patriots. Tell me what the biggest change you had to make as a football player from the time you left Athens until you made it to the NFL. What was the biggest thing you had to do in terms of changing your game or learning uh, something new in terms of football in the NFL? Well, the biggest thing for me is that, you know, I was a seven-round draft pick, so I wasn't that, that bona fide starter that you, you think about or that those guys that they get in the first and second round. So I knew my role. I knew that I had to come in. I had to do everything that, that was asked of me and more, which I didn't mind because I was I was a workhorse. You know, I wanted to play receiver. I wanted to play running back. I wanted to play fullback. And then I was on all four special teams. So just being able to do that at the University of Georgia helped me a great deal in the National Football League because I did play a little bit of receiver at um, at Georgia. I played a little bit of fullback and running back. And also I returned kicks at the University of Georgia. So that that helped me a great deal. But once I got to the National Football League, I mean, I'm, let me go back to Georgia for a second. Playing with Robert Edwards, you know, made me the player that I was and I got to New England Patriots because in practice, just watching Robert practice was just like, wow, this, you know, this dude is just, you know, he's an unbelievable player. He catches every ball that comes to him. So we used to have a little competition in practice about catching balls. So I used to, you know, make my practice like Robert, you know, catching the ball. So when I got to the National Football League, it was, it was easy for me to catch the ball. And I always told myself, I said, man, if I just had – if I can go to the same team that Robert played for, I think that we can make each other that much better because we know each other, for one, coming from the same school and the same backfield, that we know each other. And it would just be an unbelievable feeling to have that chance to play with Robert in my, my NFL career. And I got that chance, but, you know, you know what happened the year before I got there. He hurt his knee in the Pro Bowl, which sucks. So, but, you know, I learned a great uh, – a lot of football from Robert. You know, he, he helped me get to the point where I was in the New England Patriots. You talk about your teammates, and, and you had some great teammates throughout your careers uh, in Athens and the NFL. We'll talk about your NFL career. You go in 2000 to the New England Patriots. You mentioned you're a seventh-round draft pick, but you become a three-time Super Bowl champion, which is incredible. Guys play their whole career, sometimes never winning a Super Bowl, but you go to a great franchise in New England. Talk to me about the championships, what that signifies for you in your playing career, and then to play with the teammates that you had in New England. Well, I think that every guy that, that gets drafted, you know, to the National Football League or comes in as an unrestricted free agent or undrafted free agent, I think their ultimate goal is to have that chance to to play for a Super Bowl and, and to win it. I, I don't think any guy in the National Football League don't have that in mind. And I was just so happy and fortunate to get on a team where my rookie year, we didn't even have a first-round draft pick because we traded it away to the New York Jets to get the head coach in Bill Belichick. We traded our first-round draft pick, so we only had a second, third, fourth, and fifth, and sixth, and seventh, which was fine. So I didn't know anything about, you know, the whole draft scenario. I just went in. I just knew when I got my name called on that Sunday, because back then it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, it it was a long day. I think it might have been Saturday or Sunday for the draft, but it was a long day for that Sunday when I got my name called. And once I did, I was like, wow, you know, I get the chance to go to New England and play, you know, alongside Rob, whatever. But they didn't know that it would turn out to be the way it did. I knew 
that we had a great coach in Bill Belichick. And then that first, my rookie year, we finished the season 5-11. and But out of those, like, seven or eight losses that we had, we only lost the game by, like, three and seven points. So, you know, that was, like, moral victories for us. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was something that we could have built on during the offseason to get ready for the next season. And that's exactly what we did during that offseason. We, we we watched some of those games that we lost by our touchdown, you know, three points, and we just we corrected the mistakes that we made, and we, we came out and we finished the season 11-5 my second year, and it went on ahead and win the Super Bowl, which was which is which is a great thing. So I was I was a happy camper with just winning that first Super Bowl, but didn't think that we'll go home, you know, go ahead and win two more, which is you know an unbelievable <laughs> thing to do. Well, I have one question before I pa- one statement before I pass it along to my callers, Coriana. I could say, growing up and as a, a Georgia fan and as a Dolphin fan, seeing yourself and guys like Robert Edwards go to the New England Patriots, still rooted for you guys because I really respected the way you guys played the game. Even though you went up against my Miami Dolphins two times a year in the NFL, still followed your career. And, and when I get your feelings about New England, in a couple of words, when you think about the franchise for you. Sum it up for me in a couple of words, what it meant for you, like, it, what is this when you, when you hear the New England Patriots, I want to hear Patrick Pass's words about that franchise. Man, you know, for me, it's just, just blessed. Just blessed to be able to, you know, and I, and I think Robert Kraft and, and Coach Belichick every chance I get, you know, I shake their hand, I look him in the eye and I say thank you for giving me the opportunity to fulfill my childhood dream in playing in National Football League because they could have drafted someone else in the seventh round. You know, I could have I could have never had that phone call in the seventh round, but they they saw something in me that that they knew that I could have came in and, and you know played on some special teams and made the team that way. They saw something special in me to to give me that phone call on Sunday. So I give them thanks every chance I get. I'm just I, I've just been blessed to be a part of something so special and having. You know, Tom Brady come in the same year as, as I did, and to see how hard he worked. I mean, I knew that when once he got that chance to get in to to you know to be the starting quarterback, it was so hard to get him out because he's one of the hardest working dudes on the team. You're talking about someone who's first one in the locker room and in the training room, and the last one out. You know, throughout the day, because he was just that studious of the game, and he just wanted to. He he was a perfectionist. You know, it, it wasn't just right doing things right. He wanted to be perfect in everything that he did, and that's why he's the best doing right now. Joined by one of my favorite players, a, a guy that I've been a fan of since he was even a young cat in high school, coming out of Tucker High School, uh, North Atlanta, Georgia, uh, three-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriot, former Georgia Bulldog, one of my favorite teammates, Patrick Pass. Pat, this is Corey Alex. How are you doing today, big C-A-C-A. You never know, Pat. You never know who you run into. And, and it's just good. I'm glad to have you on the show. It's good to hear your voice. You know, you're one of the guys, and I hear you talk about Tom Brady. You know, I know what kind of teammate you are. I saw you develop as a young cat. So I feel the same way you feel, you know, about some of my old teammates. And I know you have a strong relationship with Tom. You guys put in a lot of hours on the field. So when I was thinking about somebody to call, of course, you're the you're going to be the first person I consider, you know, your class, Pat, that class of 1996, you know, guys like Javaris Johnson, or you think about Seymour, excuse me, uh, Marcus Stroud, or even Corey Robinson, uh, Champ, yeah. Jonas, 
Tad Parker, you know, what, what, my class. Hey, we was a special class. <laughs> it was a special class. So the class that I came in with, we really took ownership of you guys. We felt like, you know, okay, these are our guys. So I, I really, you know, I always go around and tell everybody, man, I help recruit all these young cats to come to Georgia because I was pounding my chest. I really felt good about the success you guys had and brought to the university. You played well. And I know that you could do everything. So to see you go to New England as a seven-round pick, I was surprised. But I knew that you would make it because of what you've already mentioned, Pat. You were able to do more than one thing. You had a lot of competition in Athens. And now you make it to the next level, and you experience some of the greatest success across the board. And we've had a chance to watch that. And now we're in the position that we're in today, 2015. We're taking a look back at the legacy. And, Pat, it has surprised me because I haven't always been a Patriot fan. I've always rooted for my guys. But to hear things to pop up about the organization does surprise me. And it makes me wonder about the legacy. So I wanted to get your interpretation on what do you think is going on with this deflate gate because it it clearly implicates one of your former teammates as somebody who didn't just participate but who drove the ship and trying to make sure he had the proper grip. But, Pat, I wanted to get you to tell us, tell the audience, and tell everyone in Patriot Nation what's your opinion on this because obviously we all come to one side or another, and I'd rather hear it from somebody who's been in the trenches with Tom versus anybody else? Well, if, I mean, if you, you know Tom, if you know Tom, the person he is and the competitor that he is, he, he would never go out and, and have anyone deflate footballs for him to get to gain an advantage. One, we didn't need to deflate footballs against the Colts, but we had that number. You know, I mean, if you think about it, we, we scored like 14 points in the first half and 28 in the second half, so – I mean, that's a bunch of crap. But you, you got to look at it like this, T.A. When, when you're good, I'm, let me say it like this. This is a perfect example. I didn't like Florida at all. I had no reason why I didn't like Florida. I just knew that we could never beat Florida with Steve Spurrier running that crazy offense. I didn't like them because they were good. And when, when you're good, T.A., when you've been dominating for so long, you create hatred, jealousy, and envy. And think about it. Every, every two, three, maybe four years, NFL team is going to go on that win streak where they're going to go, you know, 10 and 5, 10 and 6, 11 and 4 for the next three years, and then it's time to rebuild. But if you look at the Pats, we've been doing that since 2000. And it's like, wow, why is this team is the only team that's been winning, you know, 10, 12 plus games every year and getting first round buys? Something must have been going on in Foxborough. So whatever, you, whatever we do, we're under scrutiny. They're looking at us like we're drinking from the fountain of youth, or we're popping some some drugs that can't be detected when we take our drug test. But it's not. <laughs> you gotta understand. We we get those guys that come in who haven't been to a winning organization, who haven't experienced going to a playoff, and that's all they want to do and have that one taste of going to a playoff. So we get those guys that come in for cheap, and that's all they want to do is win, and they they get into that Belichick way. Tom, he he's fierce. He, he wouldn't ever do anything like that. And if you ever been to a game in Foxborough in January or December and January, you better believe it's going to be cold. It is cold as I don't know what out there. I've been in games where it's been negative 8, 2 degrees, and it's cold. So anything can happen. I just don't understand, like, why they would think this guy, for one, would do that against the Indianapolis Colts. You know what I'm saying? We, we've had that number for the last 12 years. I, I just don't see it happening. Two, he would never do that to himself. But this guy, he, he's the best thing 
the best quarterback I've seen that come out of the sixth round, uh, period, he don't need to do that. And if you've seen the argument between he and uh, Damian Woody on ESPN, it clearly, I mean, Teddy Bruschi, he, he's a guy that, that's been with Tom longer than I have. And he'll tell you, yep. he, he's not that type of guy. And it doesn't matter. I mean, people want Tom to fall on his face because he's, the, he's pretty much the, the face of the NFL, of the New England Patriots. And it's like he can't do no wrong. So once he screws up, it's like, oh, man, Tom, Tom biting his nails on the sideline. You know, it, it, it's crazy how, how much they want this guy to fall. And I, I just don't get it. I mean, we, he, he's, he's a four-time Super Bowl champion, a three-time Super Bowl MVP. And they, they I don't know. I mean, think about it. Belichick and Tom have been together 15 years, right? Look at all the teams, all the teams that's in our division, the Miamis, the Buffaloes, the, the Jets. And every one of those organizations <laughs> have already had three or four head coaches. Know why? Because they simply cannot beat Belichick. They can't. So now it's like, what the hell is this guy doing in New England that we can't do in New York or we can't do in Miami? What is he doing? So every every time we touch that field, we're gonna be on the scrutiny. And it, it's just sad that it's gotta be it gotta be like that. Belichick has got more head coaches fired in the last fifteen years than I can remember. You know what I'm saying? And then you talk about New York, Miami, they they all on their third <laughs> and fourth head coach. And we still on our, <laughs> we still on one. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you when you've dominated for so long, for so long, you 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 create that hatred. You create it, and people don't understand, man. It just we we buy into the Belichick way. There's always there's only one way of doing things in the wingman, and it, and if you can't <laughs> buy into it, then you're gonna see your way out. Like I say, these guys want to come in. They just want to sniff a playoff. You know what I'm saying? And you know what? You get into a playoff, anything can happen on a Saturday or Sunday. All you need is that one good play for your team, then you you advance to the AFC Championship game. And that's what we've been doing. It's, it's, it's nothing new or different. Just look at all the games we played in. It's nothing new or different. We get guys from other teams that just want to play. That's true. That's true, Pat. You know what? I have to respect that opinion. I, I like that because, you know, you can't phrase it too many other ways. He does retire a lot of head coaches in that division, and I I hope my co-host doesn't take that personally, you know, being a Dolphin fan, but I'm sure he'll he'll let you know <laughs> as soon as he gets a chance. But I'd like to hear you defend, Tom. It's almost, it reminds me of how I used to defend one of our former teammates, Mike Bobo. You know, I felt like he always did his job, but, you know, on the first down in South Carolina, everyone has to question one play call, and I'm telling you, you know, he's a much better guy than that one incident is shedding light on. Now, you know, it's tough for us on the outside of the bubble. Those of us not involved directly in Patriot Nation, it's tough for us to to understand, you know, the Belichick way. Sometimes we don't always buy in, and it, it, it's definitely easy to hate on a champion, Pat. But you know, realistically, it doesn't really benefit the NFL to penalize New England. I don't, I don't feel like the NFL would do that unless they had some type of hardcore evidence. And I hope that more evidence comes to light so that we can know one way or the other, you know, what is really the truth. Because it again just leaves the questions. But let me ask you this, Pat, because you've been around the league and you you've had a chance to have discussions and and being a part of the machine, an integral part of a successful machine and franchise. You know, what is your opinion on that rule change that was made in 2006? You know, Joe asked me earlier, uh, do you think it should go back to the old rule where the teams share one ball to eliminate the confusion? Or do you think you can continue with the rule as it stands? Uh, because it seems to right now just put the Patriots 
it has put the Patriots in a tough spot. That's all. Well, you know what? It, it, to me, I, I didn't care what ball we used when we went out there on Sundays because I know I had a job to do. And I know the quarterbacks have a, a certain way that they like their balls. And you understand, when you get a brand-new ball, because we use a lot of brand-new balls in practice, when you get one of those brand-new balls out of the box in practice, those things are slick. I mean, they're, they're like trying to catch slime out there. And, you know, you have those quarterbacks out there scrubbing those balls on the ground just to try to get grip. Now, I, I don't know what they need to do to try to, you know, to to eliminate the confusion on the sideline, but – if they're going to allow us to have 24 balls to use, then I think we should be allowed to use the 24 balls that they have. And, I mean, I understand what there's a certain PSI that the ball should be, but like I say, if they were playing in Foxborough in January and December, it's cold. It's cold. I know when I get out of my out of my house in the morning and it's like 12 degrees, I have I have low tire pressure. <laughs> you know, what, what's the difference <laughs> between the ball? So, like I say, I, I think I, – I don't, I don't think that – me personally, I think the NFL handled this situation all wrong. You know, why go outside of the realm to try to find something that that's not there to incriminate a guy to tarnish his legacy? You know what I'm saying? And, and to have Todd Wells come out in a report to say more probable than not. What I mean, what what is that? I mean, that, that that is crazy. I mean, show me video evidence of someone sticking a needle in a ball letting the air out, and then I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's cheating. That's, <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. But to come out and say more probable than not, I mean, <laughs> come on. Uh, that's, that's, I'm, I'm going to need more than that to to, to, <laughs> to satisfy my, my, my thought process of a guy who's going to, you know, turn us in and take it up the game. I don't think – you know what? It's, it's a bunch of BS to me, and I think that, they, you know, like I said, CA man, when when you when you've been dominating the 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 whole fifteen years of your career, and and it seems like you can't you that guy that can't do wrong. You know how it is. Yeah, Hans Ward was the same the guy at Georgia that that year. He had a, a great season. <laughs> we come back to the to to the max, and everyone there chanting, you know, Heisman, Heisman. You know what I'm saying? He couldn't do no wrong. But That's you know, what, if you if you're gonna have some concrete evidence, show it. So what? Show the people who who need to know and, and wants to see the concrete evidence that you have against a team or against a guy who 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 inflated balls. I mean, you got guys coming out now, Aaron Rodgers, saying he overinflated the ball. It's the same thing. If you overinflate the ball, you give yourself an advantage to throw the ball, right? I don't see anybody right. talking about Aaron Rodgers and his overinflation of the football. It's the same thing. If you want to talk about deflation, let's talk about the overinflated football. Right. If you wanted to spend time two or four games because you think, you know, it's more probable than not that he was generally aware of what's <laughs> going on, then we should have suspended Aaron Rodgers too because he came out publicly and said he overplayed the football. I mean, what it's crazy how they they're coming down as hard as they is against us because of who we are and what we've done the last fifteen years. I mean, to represent the AFC and six Super Bowls, winning four. And, you know, <laughs> 10, 10, 12 years of, of double-digit wins, I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. And people like, you know, how can this one organization, this one franchise can dominate the league for so long? Think about it. You got Bill, who's one of the smartest coaches in the NFL, and Tom, who's one of the hardest workers in the NFL, coincide. When you get those two, the head coach and the captain of your ship, 
who's the two hardest working guys at NFL, you're going to have success. And people can't stand that. Can't stand I like that. it. I like it, Pat. I tell you what, Pat Pat says, show me the video as, as opposed to I want to see possible. video. I want I want to <laughs> see a needle and a haystack. I want to see you it. What, Pat, look, I, you know what? I agree with a lot of what you just said. If this is a, an epidemic across the league, the NFL has to do a, a much better job to streamline this process, especially if they decide to to out any punishment for Tom Brady. You know, me personally, Pat, on the outside looking in, because of that evidence, because of that report, and I don't have anything to counter the report yet, because of that report, the NFL has to suspend Tom because they've accused him of doing something that, you know, basically involves cheating. So I'm interested to see how they follow this up because if they don't, you know, they're going to be uh, people who will speculate that, you know, the championships are receiving uh, preferential treatment. So, to him, right, I'm a champion. Right. That's why that's why I get you on here, Pat, because you know, you and I can basically come to each other in a one hundred percent way and just you know, my question is I wonder what the league is gonna do because they put themselves in a bad spot by releasing this report and you know, with you standing with you standing firm with your guy, your quarterback, and that's you know, I can't hate on that because you know him better than anybody who talks about him on the radio. You know, with you standing firm, you know, that really gives me more I need to know more. I need to know that it's more probable than not, you know. You know, my questions, I've got more now than, than, than I had before. But, you know, before I turn you back over uh, to Joe, Pat, I really wanted to just let you know, number one, I appreciate you joining us because your opinion uh, carries a lot of weight with what you've done and, and how you carry yourself. You know, I wish you much success uh, to you and the family. But I did want you to give me a little bit of information before you left us about your motivation in speaking and what you've been up to because I know you also have been participating in some camps here recently. But, you know, I'm going to turn the floor back over to you and let Joe close us out. But I want you to uh, just tell me about the motivational side because I need to know where I can find you, uh, maybe to get you in front of another population of kids. That's cool. But before I, before I get off that um, that thing, I'm going to tell a few more things. Uh, and and with, with the whole Taylor Bruski and, and Damian Woodard, they had a discussion yesterday on ESPN. They almost came to blows. Only as being, you're talking about two former teammates of each other with opposite mm-hmm. opinions. But, you know, uh, uh, Bruce could say he read all 243 pages of the Todd Wells report and it, it, it specifically stated that the coach balls 10 out of 12 was underinflated after the game as well. But we don't hear about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, sure. that's why I'm just like, I'm so baffled that you can take a harp on our balls and underinflation when the coach ball was the same thing after the game. But also, I want to say, CA, no, no, I, I can't let you get off the hook just yet, but your boy, <laughs> the reason why I was running the dig routes and the comebacks is because I used to see your butt up there running those digs and comebacks to get gems. I was like, man, this dude is coming out of his break so smooth. I got to pick that up, man. So, I mean, yeah, I learned a lot from you guys, man. You you older guys, man. You guys, you, you took us in at Universal Georgia, Hines, and, and, and you and, and Resty and all those guys, man. It was just a, it was just a, a, a blast playing with you guys because I, I didn't – I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I left the high school because I, you know, I was the man on campus in high school. Exactly. And when I got to Georgia, man, y'all, y'all, y'all made that hummer pop real sweet when we got there, <laughs> which made it, which made it easier for us to get in there and, and work even harder because we all had one goal in mind, and that was to make it to the SEC championship. You know what I'm saying? And just watching you guys, you older guys, do what you had to do to get us there, man, it was just, it was an unbelievable thing. So I, I still. I still think about that to this day, and when I when I talk to my 
my my guys here, and then I tell them who all I had on my team, and I kind of explain to them who we had on the team. They're like, wow, you guys had all that talent and then win? Oh, yeah, you know, we had a, some bad coaching call back in the day. You know, when you got a guy who's playing 90, 90 snaps in the first half and Champ Bailey, fortified <laughs> on offense and fortified on defense, and then you got a whole yeah. snap package in now. You know, you kind of question what the, what, the, what the heck the coach is doing. But, you know, that's in the past now. I'm not even worried about it. But, yeah, I just want to – I got to say thank you to you guys, you know, for paving the way for me to, to do what I wanted to do in the National Football League. Pat, I enjoyed every minute of you, young man. And uh, I'm going to turn you over to Joe before we get long-winded. But just know we all appreciate it working with uh, nothing but some of the best athletes and individuals. But, uh, Joe, you can take it from here before we get caught up reminiscing. I love it. I love it, Corey. I love the I love the dog talk. I, anytime we get teammates on the show, I love hearing about all the old times. It's what makes the show so special. But you know, while it, we do it bring, have it bring back, yeah, it bring back a, a lot of memories over there at the Mac. You know, those parties that we used to go to. I mean, you think about it. That class of '96 that we had. It was a special class. We had a bunch of talent in that class of 96, and we were special. Definitely. And we all stuck together like we was all brothers. But we had a great time hanging out with those older guys, man. They, they taught us they taught us well. But to get back to that, you know, what I do with the kids and the motivation speaking, man, it, it's something that I've been doing since I got here. It, it, it's that, it's that it's, you know, at, at some point in your life when you play, you know, professional football, you kind of think to yourself, like, what's your purpose? And I, and I sit here and I, and I thought about it for a while, you know, when I was playing. And, I, you know, it's this book I used to read a lot, you know, The Purpose Driven. And it was it was one of those things, like, I didn't know why I was here until I went to a school and I made my first public speaking engagement. And those kids where I went to and they saw me and they kind of understood the things that I went through, the things that I had to endure to get to where I wanted to be. And to see their face and their reactions, like, wow, you know, this is why I'm here. This is why Pastor Pass is here on earth, is to give back to these kids who don't have anything, who's been in the same situation as you've been in. Because when I grew up in the projects in Georgia and Scottsdale, I didn't have a dad. I was, you know, I came from a single family home, and all I knew, I thought the way of life was drugs, gangs, prostitution, suicide, homicides, and, and, and guns, that's what I thought life was. But once I got myself out of that situation, I knew that life was much more than what I was used to. So now I can go back and I can tell these kids my story. Look, I was I, I saw everything I needed to see as a kid. I witnessed suicides. I witnessed murders. I witnessed all this at the same time. I didn't want no part of it. I didn't want to be that guy who was doing wrong. So what I wanted to do, I told all my friends, look, I want to be a baseball player or I want to be a football player. If you want to come with me, let's go right. If not, then you're going to get left. So that was my thing when I was growing up. So now when I'm able to go back and tell my story, yeah, I did I, some of that stuff, but I knew that it was a much brighter light for me at the end of the tunnel once I got my head straight. Now look at me. Yeah, I did it, but I'm not saying it's okay to do it because some people don't make it out. And I tell all my kids when I go and talk to them, I say, look, I wish we had more people, more athletes with the status that can come and speak to us from the heart because back then I know for a fact that I probably would have gone to a lot more weddings and funerals, but we didn't have people that come in and talk to us like I'm coming to you and talk to you right now. I'm telling you right now, you can make that change and do right. 
and whatever you want to do in life, whether it be a doctor, I mean, a doctor, lawyer, teacher, professional player, you can do that. But you gotta disassociate yourself with the with the bad apples and get right. So when I when I go and I tell my story and I make this speech, man, it's like every one of those kids silent and they're listening to me. And I just say to myself, Pat, if you can just reach one of these kids, you've done your job because you've been there. You've been in the bad situation, but you didn't let that situation define who you are. That's great. And, Patrick, I really think you're a true role model and inspiration for young athletes and athletes of all ages. And I really, that's what I love about the show is bringing guys on that are giving back to the community, guys that aren't getting enough media attention because the, the media, in my, in my opinion, concentrates so much on the negative that we have so many former, current NFL players that are giving back in, in different ways. And you're one of those guys and really commend you for the work that you're doing with younger athletes today. And while we have you on the show, Patrick, because I really, uh, really admire your insight and opinions, not only about the NFL, but about the college game. Talk to me about this version of the, of the Georgia Bulldogs entering 2015. A couple of aspects. Uh, one, your former uh, quarterback, Mike Bobo, moves on to Colorado State to take the head coaching job. Brian Schottenheimer comes in. He's got to cultivate a quarterback and at the same time keep all three running backs happy. He's got to keep Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, and Keith Marshall all getting the rock so that none of these guys are uh, wanting the football more. How does he do that and still uh, get the offense clicking the way Bobo had it last year? You know what? It's one of those things where you can have a, a either one of those running backs in the backfield and have success. But I look at it like this. It's always going to be open competition. It doesn't matter who who ran the ball for, you know, 20 times last game because that's the last game. You know, it's what you're doing right now this week in practice. And the one who show up in practice ready to play, ready to practice and play hard, practice hard, is the one that should get the carriage. I mean, because you don't want to get those guys thinking that you're the big man on campus and that because you, you, you had 20 carries last week and 165 yards, that you can come to practice this week and slap off. That 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 wouldn't be my coaching mentality. I let him know. Look, it's always open competition in running back, always, and that's that's how you keep all three of those guys hungry and ready to to go out there and play on the Saturday. Because at any given moment, you can be down two running backs, and that third guy that got got to have to come in and step up the main guy if you have two injuries. So you always got to keep all three of those guys focused. Have open competition. Let them battle it out in practice, and and whoever's you know on top of their game going into Saturday should get the nod. But you know it's it's, it's tough. That's why they call it tailback you <laughs> because you get some <laughs> great guys coming out. You know with Chubb and, and Gurley, and, and you know some of the ones in in, in the past. You know we we just know how to have. We we see we have a a, a fight for talent when it comes to the running back, but. You keep them happy. You keep them hungry by by letting them know that it's open competition week in and week out. Corey and I feel the same way. It's it's a good problem to have when you have that much talent in the backfield. Can only help whoever the quarterback steps up this year. And that's where I want to take the next question. Everett Golson is going to leave Notre Dame. He got the waiver request. Corey and I spoke about it on, on last week's show. We think he's an interesting fit. Should he take his talent to Athens? Do you do you uh, favor a move of Everett Golson moving to Athens to play for Georgia in 2015? Or do you think the quarterback situation is okay uh, with Ramsey and, and with the other quarterbacks on their roster? 
you know what? And it's interesting that you guys that thought, you know, was thinking the same thing I was thinking because I, I look at my, my, my sport news every day, you know, I have the beach report on my phone. I have to keep up with all my, my Atlanta teams except for the Georgia Tech. But, <laughs> and I'm looking at the, exactly. you know, my beach report and I'm, I'm kind of checking out, you know, Athens and seeing what we're doing at quarterbacks. So I know the running back position is already set and, like I say, it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have another guy come in to compete at quarterback. I mean, the more competition you have, it's only going to help those guys around them to up their game. You know, ten notches. So you know, Golson come in and you know he's a, he's a proven quarterback. You know, he's he, I think he'll be a fifth year guy, maybe a fourth year guy. You know, it's not like he's some rookie or, or, or incoming freshman that has to come in and you know learn how the SEC play football. You know, I think he's. So proving himself at Notre Dame, I think that we can have the coaches help get him to the point where he needs to be to understand the competition that he's going to face week in and week out. You know, just having that guy there, I think, you know, it, it, it can open up a lot more passes because a lot of these guys are probably going to stack the, stack the box with Chubb back there. And whoever that running back is trying to stop that run. And I think Golson has proven that he can, he can, you know, drop back and take off with the ball if it need be if he don't see anything down the field. But one thing that scares me about him is that the turnovers, and I think that's that's something that can be can be fixed in, in practice with more practice, more you know film study that he can fix those turnover problems. It's an interesting scenario. We'll see how it plays out. Hopefully, he'll make his decision within the next couple of weeks. There's been a number of teams interested in his duties. We'll see if Georgia puts their ring in the ha- uh, their hat in the ring at this point. Uh, no word yet from Mark Richter, the coaching staff, but we'll see in the next couple of weeks whether Georgia's a player in that. Last question I have for you, and I want to thank you again for taking the time out on the weekend to join Corey and I. Todd Gurley, in my opinion, I think he's the best player in this 2015 draft with the ACL injury. I think he's a home run hitter, a premier running back that we haven't seen since the days of Adrian Peterson coming out of Oklahoma. I think he's a great fit for St. Louis. What are your thoughts about Todd Gurley in the NFL? Do you think he's a, as good as, as I'm making him out to be and, and some of the other experts? Because in my opinion, I think he is hands down best player in this draft 2015. And I and I, I couldn't agree with you more. And the thing that surprises me though with with St. Louis and that pick is that, you know, I didn't think that they would pick Todd because they are a dome team and found on their turf can be kind of, you know, detrimental to a guy ACL. But you know, they saw something in Todd to to warrant his 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 workhorse over there in St. Louis, which is going to be good because they have a. St. Louis have a, has a solid defense. They're going to have one of the top two or three defenses in the league. they got like four or five first-rounders on the defensive line. I like to think. I think Todd's going to go in and he's going to do what Todd's going to do like he did his freshman year at University of Georgia. I mean, I remember when I saw that guy running kickoffs back at 240 pounds. Like, man, they got a big linebacker back there running the ball, but I mean, he's fast. <laughs> you know, he got, he got good hands. And one thing that amazes me about Todd is that his balance, he has great balance. And He's going to go in there, and he and Trey Mason, they're going to they're going to compete for the starting job. And I think that Todd's going to show. I think he's going to be a thousand yard rusher. I think he has the opportunity to be a thousand yard rusher, and which doesn't take much in the NFL. All you need is sixty plus yards a game to do it. But I think he'll be a, a thousand yard rusher. I think he's going to surprise about it. I think he's going to be even better his second year in the league. You know, I'm, I'm talking you know between thirteen, fifteen hundred, fifteen hundred yard rushing. If you know he, he stays healthy, but you know that NFL has a grinding, 
grinding schedule. I mean, we have 16 regular season games, not even including the four preseason games. If you made it to the playoffs, you got one another three or four weeks. So you're talking about 20 games that you may be playing football. And, you know, some of these guys have proven, the rookies have proven that, you know, getting past 10 games, 12 games in the National Football League is all they can do there for their rookie year. And that's where the injuries start coming in. But I, I, I wish Todd the best. I'm a big Todd Gurley fan. You know, I couldn't wait to come home on Saturdays last year and turn my TV on and watch this kid do what he's do best and just run the ball. And, you know, I wish him much, much success until we play, you know, the New England Patriots. <laughs> it's great. It's great. We're talking We're talking football. It's only May. I wish it was week one, uh, August, September of college football because that's what makes this game so special. But great insight and information from you, Patrick. Always welcome on the show. I mean, thanks so much for taking the time out and talking about your great career with Georgia and the New England Patriots, three-time Super Bowl champ. Uh, Always welcome on our show. I hope you enjoyed it today. I had a great time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And anytime we need to talk about football, that's right up my alley. I love to talk about it, especially when it comes to my team, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs or the Falcons and the Patriots, I'm, I'm always here. I'm always here. Corey, you can always reach me. You know, if I'm not busy, cause I do a ton of charity events throughout the week. But if I'm not busy, you know you got my attention. Hey, Pat, you know what? I appreciate you touching in with us this time. You know I'm going to keep you in my back pocket whenever necessary. And uh, much success to you again and the family. Uh, really appreciate you taking your time out on the weekend. I'll definitely be in touch. Otherwise, you take care, big guy, and go dogs. I really appreciate it. Go dogs. Thank you, Patrick. That was the great Patrick Pass, Corey, from uh, Georgia. Uh, played with Robert Edwards, Torn Kirsty, Orlandis Gary, just a great running back, number six. Tore it up between the hedges, did battle some injuries throughout his career, but seventh-round draft pick by the New England Patriots becomes a three-time Super Bowl champion. Unbelievable to hear his insight about his former team, the New England Patriots. Hear his insight about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Doesn't get better than that. Just great, great information and a great guy. Going to put all his information up on the website. Any thoughts, Corey? You know what? Pat Pass is the kind of guy uh, that continues uh, the tradition of helping University of Georgia athletes get drafted in the NFL. It doesn't matter what round you pick up a Bulldog. When you consider Pat Pass, Landis Gary, uh, Hines Ward, it doesn't matter first round or last round. The guy's going to give 100% effort, and he'll be able to do more than one thing. Pat's been a testament to that throughout his career, Joe, and I've had a chance to watch him uh, play both sports even as a young guy and growing into uh, a three-time Super Bowl champion. A high-caliber guy uh, on and off the field. I trust his opinion. Uh, His weight's worth gold, man. I really enjoyed the time and the feedback he gave us because, you know, he gave us a championship perspective from inside the bubble, and you can't discount that because he's got the resume to prove it. So a uh, great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, just interesting football talk on this on this May Saturday. Just love talking college and pro football with you, buddy. Uh, always, always great information, always a great show, and a, a great get in, in your former teammate, Patrick Pass. I'll just say this before we let the fans go. Uh, this Saturday, I remember the game in 1996 against Peyton Manning and Tennessee. Robert Edwards in the back in the backfield at the time. Uh, you're playing at Athens. You're trailing that game. They put Patrick Pass in, and Ron Franklin goes, He's got both of them in there. Jim Donovan's got both. <laughs> Pass and Robert Edwards with Mike Godfrey. 
uh, doing the game for ESPN at the time. And Patrick had some great carries uh, in that game. Him and Robert tore it up. You didn't get the victory, but I remember that game specifically standing out for me because at the time he was a freshman on bursting onto the scene in the backfield with Robert Edwards. So had some marquee moments for the, the dogs throughout his career. Uh, just great insight and information. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Just we love talking about college and pro football here on the weekly blitz. Have a great week, everyone. Stay with us all season long for Corey Allen. I'm Joe Weesey. Thanks for joining us today. Go dogs.